of the prevailing sentiments of the 20th century was that uh, advancements in science and technology would one day eliminate the need for religion. In fact, the Nobel Prize-winning philosopher Bertrand Russell once said precisely that. He said that religion is something left over from the infancy of our intelligence. It will fade away as we adopt reason and science as our guidelines. And yet here we are in the 21st century with enormous advances in science and technology and religion, not necessarily Christianity in America, but religion is still thriving. Why? Because there's more to reality than science can measure. Human beings are both body and spirit, which is why perhaps now more than ever, people hunger for real spiritual experience, for real connection with the divine and the infinite. In fact, so much so that people will try anything, no matter how crazy it is, to have a religious experience. For instance, I read recently, it's a true story, it's an article about a guy who went to the Amazon rainforest in search of a spiritual experience, and it was a six-day retreat called the, called the Ayahuasca Retreat. Now, ayahuasca is a hallucinogenic concoction used by shamans to achieve spiritual clarity and healing. But listen to this. Here's what this guy wrote about his experience. He said, not only does I, I'm going to have to say this slowly so I get this right. Not only does ayahuasca allow you to see, hear, and feel things beyond your present reality, but you also purge physically. I was haunted by tales of violent retching and uncontrollable diarrhea on top of frightening visions. Now, Mike, I, I mean, I want an experience as much as the next guy, but you can keep that one. People today are so hungry for spiritual experiences that they would even put themselves through something like that just to experience something transcendent. But not every spiritual experience is a true spiritual experience. And the passage that we're going to look at this morning describes what a true spiritual experience looks like. Christianity is not just an ethical system or a set of doctrines that you must intellectually agree with. Christianity is a life-changing experience that affects the whole of your life. And I want you to see that this morning. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I'd like for you to turn with me uh, in it back to the passage that we started looking at last week in Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, if you're new to City Church, we're in a series of sermons called The Ghost. And by the ghost, we're referring to the Holy Spirit, which used to be referred in many traditions, still is in some Christian circles, as the Holy Ghost. And throughout this series, we've been trying to get a sense of who the Holy Spirit is and what his role is in Christianity. Now, I don't have time to review everything that we've said so far. So I'd point you to our City Church app if you'd like to review all that we've covered in this series or if you're new here. But I do want to emphasize in summary two things that are very important for you to understand. One is that the Holy Spirit is one of three persons of the Trinity, which is why we refer to the Holy Spirit as a he, not as an it, not as a force, not merely a power, though he is powerful, but he's a person. The second is that in the life of the believer in Christ, the Holy Spirit is the indwelling reality of Christ living in you. Maybe a better way to say it is that the Holy Spirit is the agent 
And Christ is the content of this indwelling reality. Now, we said so much more than that, but if you haven't gotten anything else, I'd like for you to just remember those two very important points. Now, let's pick up the reading from chapter 5, uh, verse 18 of the book of Ephesians. Chapter 5, verse 18, we read this last week. The apostle Paul is writing, and he says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, uh, again, that was the verse that we covered last week. And most of our time last week was spent differentiating between what is called the indwelling of the Spirit and this command to be filled with the Spirit, which we said that can be confusing to a lot of people. The Bible says that when you move from unbelief to belief in Christ's death and resurrection, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you. He indwells you. He is alive inside of you. But Paul commands us here in verse 18 to be filled with the Spirit. We said last week in summary that the distinction between indwelling and being filled in the Spirit is this, that if you're a believer, you have all of the Spirit. That's indwelling. And the Spirit should have all of you. That's filling. That's the distinction between the two. The indwelling of the Spirit is a present reality for all believers in Christ. You have Him, okay? But you aren't necessarily giving Him daily control of your life. That's the filling. One is a present reality, and the other is a command. And so your mother-in-law says something critical of you to your husband outside of your presence. Even though the Holy Spirit dwells in you, what is your first instinct? It's to claw our eyes out. But we saw last week that the larger context of these verses is about loving people selflessly and sacrificially. If you're filled with the Spirit then, He is empowering you to forgive your mother-in-law and love her anyway. Or it's Saturday night, and the Cowboys are playing their second preseason game of the year against the Bengals, and you would like to watch it. But your wife wants to watch, oh, I don't know, say, The Notebook for the umpteenth time. And she wants you to watch it with her. What is your first instinct, husbands? to watch the cowboy game, of course. But we saw that right after this conversation about being filled with the Spirit in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul is going to command husbands and wives to love each other sacrificially. So if you're filled with the Spirit, husbands, you explain to your wife that if she were filled with the Spirit, she would want you to watch the cowboy game. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. That's not how that works. You might sacrifice the game for the notebook or at least DVR it and watch it later. Now, Three questions, when we see this, immediately come to mind when Paul talks about being filled with the Spirit. One is why. Why be filled with the Spirit? Why? The second is, what is being filled with the Spirit, uh, what does that look like? And then the third is, how? How can I be filled with the Spirit? So you got a why, what, and a how. And I want to talk about the why and the what today. And then next week, I want to talk about the how. Uh, how. How can you be filled with the Spirit? How are you filled with the Spirit? But I want to talk about the why and the how today. And I want to read from verse 19 to address the why question. Why be filled with the Spirit? Look at verse 19. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I touched on this last week some, but... Just, just a reminder that these verses, these verses constitute both a comparison and a contrast. Okay? 
from verse 18 on. On the one hand, this passage is a comparison to being drunk, okay? And the main comparison has to do with the issue of control. When you're, dark, when you're drunk or, or high, for that matter, you're under the control of, of the drug or the alcohol that you're using. When you're filled with the Spirit, the Spirit of God is controlling your experience of life, okay? That's the comparison. But, but there's a contrast, too, between being drunk and being filled with the Spirit. And, and actually, there's probably, uh, we could make a long list of the contrasts between the two. But the main one that I want you to keep in mind this morning has to do with this why question. We're asking why be filled with the Spirit. But first, let's ask this. Why, why do people get drunk? Or why do people get high, for that matter? Well, because both are ways to escape. Maybe you're normally a quiet, reserved person and The only way that you can socialize is to get drunk. Maybe you're an anxious person, and the only way that you feel like that you can experience peace is to drink until you can't remember what you're anxious about, or to smoke, or to swallow something that will transport you from your present state of anxiety to some other experience, okay? But being filled with the Spirit does the opposite, Getting drunk or getting high, you're doing that to escape reality. Being filled with the Spirit does the opposite. Being filled with the Spirit gets you in touch with reality. The Spirit of God gets you in touch completely with reality. Now, I know, that, I know what some of you would say. You would say, but Jeff, you don't, you don't understand. I don't want reality. I want to escape reality. No. No, not, not really. Not really. That's not what you really what you, want to, what you want is to escape your present perception of reality. You want to escape what you're presently feeling. And the very reason that you want to escape is that you've lost sight of reality. And what do I, what do I mean by that? Well, remember, we said this a few weeks ago, that the whole purpose of the Spirit of God is to shine light on Jesus. He's like a floodlight for Jesus. Floodlight doesn't shine light on itself. A floodlight shines light on something else. And so when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit shows you reality by shining a light on Jesus. He reminds you that everything in the universe is under the control of the Lord Jesus Christ. That nothing comes you, that comes your way is a surprise to the king of the universe. And the Holy Spirit reminds you that if God didn't spare his son Jesus Christ because of his love for you, there isn't anything good that God will keep from you. And he reminds you that all things, for those who believe in Christ, work together for the good of those who love you. He reminds you of who is in charge of human history and who is in charge of your future. In other words, he changes your experience of life in the present moment. He changes that into reality by heightening your mind and your heart and your grasp of reality. Pastor and author by the name of Frederick Beekner once wrote, he said, the trouble with stealing yourself against the harshness of reality is that the same steel that secures your life against being destroyed secures your life also against being opened and transformed by the holy power that life itself comes from. The same could be said of drunkenness or of getting high. Drunkenness nor getting high heighten your grasp of reality. No, they diminish your grasp of reality. They are a temporary fix that allows you to escape your present circumstances. 
But as part of the experience, they leave you with a tragic hangover the next day and or a terrible crash when you come down or with violent retching and uncontrollable diarrhea depending upon what you took or what you drank. And so the why of being filled with the Spirit, why, why be filled with the Spirit is to lift and heighten your mind and your heart and your emotions so that you can grasp reality. And the Holy Spirit does that, in a sense, by pulling back the curtain that separates the temporal world that we live in today and the eternal reality that is beyond it. And he lets you see with eyes of faith what reality really looks like. That the king of the world, Jesus Christ, is still in control. That he's still on his throne. That he, still know, that he knows everything that's happening to you. And that nothing that is happening to you is out of his control. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He lets you grasp reality like you've never grasped it before. That's the why. That's the why. Now the what. What does being filled with the Spirit look like? In other words, what what is the experience of being filled with the Spirit like? Let me mention four things. First, it's not a one-time experience. We talked about this last week. When Paul says in verse 18, be filled with the Spirit, you can't see it in English, but the tense of the actual Greek word that Paul uses is one that conveys continuous action, which in this case would mean keep being filled with the Spirit. In other words, This experience doesn't have to be a one-time experience like making a pilgrimage to some holy site or going on some spiritual retreat. No, the experience that comes from being filled with the Spirit is one that you can have continuously. You don't have to leave it on a mountaintop. You don't have to take pictures of it so that you can remember it. You don't have to pay a guru to experience it. You don't have to take a drug to experience it. You don't have to say a special incantation to experience it. It is available to you every day, right where you are. You can experience it continuously. That's number one. Number two, it is more than an emotional experience, but it is not less than an emotional experience. Being filled with the Spirit is more than an emotional experience, but it is not less than an emotional experience. Verse 19, Paul says, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Now, this version, uh, the NIV, the one that I'm using, makes it seem like verses 19 and 20 are, are all separate sentences, but they're not. In fact, they're one sentence. All of these verbs, they're actually participles. Continuing the idea, you see, of being filled with the Spirit, each of them describing another aspect of being filled with the Spirit. And so when Paul talks about singing and making music in your heart to the Lord, no question he's telling us that singing is to be an expression of the joy that we have in Christ. But there's another level to this. Paul uses music also as a symbol here to make us understand that being filled with the Spirit isn't just an intellectual experience, but that it is an emotional experience as well. I probably don't, I probably don't have to work very hard to convince most of you that music has the unique ability to elicit emotional responses in the listener. This is why, this is why movies and TV shows, for that matter, go to great expense to set scenes to the kind of music 
that elicits the desired response. They choose or they create that music. They're very, very careful. They go to great expense to choose or create the very right songs to elicit the emotion that they want. So if I want to elicit tears, I could play, I could play this song. You guys know that song. It's My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. And, and here's the thing. Music elicits such powerful emotions. You can even tell me the movie that it came from, right? Can you tell me? What is it? Not the natural. No, not the natural. Titanic. Titanic. That's, that's the one. Titanic. Uh, on the other hand, that's, that's, if I wanted to elicit tears, I'd play that one. If I, if I wanted to uh, inspire, inspire you, I might play uh, this song. One day when the glory comes, it will be ours. It will be ours. And you know what movie that came from? What was it? Selma. That's right, Selma. What's fascinating is that if I would have asked you what one of the let's, let me go back to the Celine Dion song. If I would have asked you what's the what's the number what was the number one movie in 1997, you probably wouldn't have been able to tell me. Because that was just intellectual. But if I play the song, you could tell me immediately. If I said, this is the song for the number one movie, you'd be able to tell me immediately. That was it, Titanic. That's how powerful music is. If I wanted to energize you with music and make some of you want to get up and dance, I could do it maybe with this song. And even though the song is over 40 years old, you still remember what movie it came from, right? Music is so powerful that it can elicit all kinds of different emotions and even actions in you. Paul wants us to understand that being filled with the Spirit is an emotional experience. The Spirit will touch your emotions in all kinds of different ways. And he can even change your emotions over time. That's why he says, that's why he's talking about singing and making music. In your heart to the Lord. But while it is no less than an emotional experience, it is more than just emotion. It is also an experience that is based in truth. Paul says, speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, in a culture in which most people didn't read, this was how people learned God's word. It was in the form of psalms, generally Old Testament truth. Hymns hymns were usually New Testament uh, songs that exalted Christ, spiritual songs. Often those were sort of testimonies of what Christ had done for you. This is how people learned truth. For instance, here's a section of the New Testament that is believed to be part of, um, of, uh, of a song. Listen to this. Verse 5, in your relationships with one another... Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God to be something used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the knee of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's a a hymn. It was a hymn. It was a way that they learned this important passage. Theologians call this, it came from Philippians chapter 2, by the way. Philippians call, uh, excuse me, theologians call this 
uh, the kenosis passage. Kenosis is a, is a word that refers to the fact that, that Jesus emptied himself. That's what kenosis means. He emptied himself to become a man. This was, this was doctrine. This is a way that they learned truth by using psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. The book of Colossians is kind of a parallel book to the book of Ephesians. And here's how the same author, the Apostle Paul, says what he says in Ephesians. This is what he says. This is how he says it in Colossians. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. This is, this is an experience that is based in truth, the word of Christ. He's talking about truth. He's talking about the gospel. He's talking about the scriptures. Any spiritual experience, and listen to me now, any spiritual experience that doesn't align with the scriptures may have been an emotional experience, but it wasn't a spiritual experience. The genuine spiritual experience of being filled with the Spirit, is both emotional and it is based in truth. It is consistent with the Scriptures. It is consistent with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if it is not, it was nothing more than an emotional experience. Being filled with the Spirit is emotional. It's not less than that, but it is more than that in that it is based in truth. Here's the third thing. Third characteristic, the third, third, uh, third thing that this looks like, you're being filled with the Spirit. It is a gratitude-evoking experience. Paul says in verse 20, he says, he says, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Once the Holy Spirit has, as we talked about earlier, When you're filled with the Spirit, He heightens your mind and your heart and your emotions so that you can grasp reality, so you can see that no matter what you're going through, you're safe in the hands of Jesus Christ. When He does that for you, you are moved to thankfulness. Um, I have a quote from a pastor and an author by the name of Tim Keller that I see every day as I look at my schedule uh, for the day and the list of things that I want to accomplish that day because I need reminded of this every day. And here's the way the quote goes. It says, Lord, if my perspective and sense of proportion were right, I would realize that everything I experience that is better than hell is a gift of mercy from you. And that puts things into perspective, doesn't it? Air conditioners out in your house give thanks. Things could be a lot hotter. Ran out of hot water, had to take a cold shower, give thanks. Things could be much worse. How do you get a perspective like that and a sense of proportion like that by letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly? Truth. Being true, excuse me, being filled by the Spirit evokes a perpetual sense of gratitude because the Spirit allows you to take off the blinders And see what reality really is. And when you see that, it evokes a sense of gratitude. And then finally, this experience, it's an experience of genuine, genuine love. Paul says in verse 21, submit to one another 
out of reverence for Christ. Now, you have to put that in context to understand what Paul is getting at. Last week, I pointed out that this passage about being filled with the Spirit here is set right between Paul's command at the beginning of chapter 5 to live a life of love and a whole discussion on marriage and how husbands and wives are to love one another. And in both of those sections, you know, here it is, here's filling of the Spirit right in the middle. Here's live a life of love. Here's husbands and wives. And he goes on and talks about how families are to love one another. And in both of those sections, he says that we are to use the model of Christ in order to see what real, what genuine uh, love looks like. And then that is how we are to treat one another, using the model of Christ. Anyone see the uh, Netflix documentary, Wild Wild Country? Anybody see that documentary? A couple of people back in the back have seen that documentary. Uh, If you didn't see it, it was the story of how back in the early 1980s, the followers of the Indian guru uh, Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh moved in and just took over a small town in Oregon called Antelope. There were like 40 people that really lived in Antelope, but then there were several thousand of his followers who moved in and just took over this city. And they sort of built their own community. And these people, these people worshipped the Bhagwan. And he preached about creating awakened people. I guess that's what people mean today by being woke. He, cre- he preached about creating awakened people. And who, as a result of being awakened by his teachings, he said that they would be able to live in harmony with their surroundings. And during the interviews in this documentary, his followers would talk about how indeed they had learned to love uh, and accept one another in, the way, in a way that the rest of the world couldn't and in a way that the rest of the world couldn't even begin to understand, okay? all because of the Bhagwan's teachings. However, the problem was that the whole time the Bhagwan was teaching them about love, he was also bilking them out of huge sums of money, lining his pockets with over $100 million. The Bhagwan would buy two Rolls Royces a month, He eventually owned 93 Rolls Royces, but as his collection neared 40, he began what was called his famous drive-by blessings. Followers would line the roads each day at 2 p.m., and they would shower the hoods of his Rolls Royces with flowers. And then after that, they would go back to work in the 41 commune businesses that were working to support this lavish lifestyle. And when all of that was finally discovered, the great love that they experienced for one another collapsed just a few years after the community founded. Now, I want you to contrast that with Christ's teaching about love and Christ's model of love. There's this scene in the New Testament that is such a beautiful contrast to the Bhagwan's drive-by blessings. It occurred the week of Jesus' death as he rode into the city of Jerusalem, except Jesus didn't ride in on a Rolls Royce. He rode in on a borrowed donkey because he didn't own a thing. And the people lined the street and they threw palm leaves in front of him. They shouted, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. The reason that they were celebrating Jesus was because they thought he was coming as a victorious Messiah who would overthrow and liberate them from the Roman Empire. But by the end of that that, that very same week, 
All of those people that were throwing palm leaves, worshiping Jesus, not a single one of them was there with him. Every single one of them had abandoned him. And the reason was that he didn't do what they wanted him to do. He didn't follow the accepted template for a political leader and a spiritual guru. Instead, in the definitive act of love, he made himself poor. He made himself weak. He humbled himself and died on a cross so that you could be forgiven because your sin created an eternal separation between you and God. Now, you see, you have to put all of this in context when Paul says, submit to one another out of reverence in Christ. He's calling all of that to mind, and he's saying that among disciples of Jesus Christ, among the resurrected community of people, love isn't about using people and manipulating people for your own selfish reasons. He's saying that love looks like humility. It looks like giving up your rights. It looks like putting other people's needs first. That's what genuine love looks like. And if you were to read on into chapter 6, all of the stuff about husbands and wives and fathers and mothers and children and employers and employees and all of the relationships described there are describing the kind of relationships that you will experience if you are filled with the Spirit. Genuine love relationships based on the model of Jesus Christ. The way that you, are know, the way that you know that you are filled with the Spirit is a lasting and comprehensive impact in all of your relationships. If your relationships are all a wreck and they continue to be a wreck, it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, it doesn't matter how much of the scriptures you know, you aren't filled with the Spirit. The way that you know that you're filled with the Spirit is that your relationships are relationships of genuine love. It's a genuine love experience. Let me ask you something. Tell me something. Isn't isn't this the experience that you're really looking for? An ongoing experience, not a one-time experience. An experience that is substantive, not fleeting. It's emotional. It's not just emotion. It's real. It's true because it's based in truth. It's an experience that evokes a a grateful spirit, one that is always consumed with self and whether I'm being treated right by everyone around me and by the world, but one that is thankful for whatever comes your way because you grasp reality. You see reality, that there's more than just this temporal world. You see Christ with eyes of faith. And an experience of genuine love with the most important people in your world. Isn't that really the experience that you're looking for? That's not an experience a bottle of wine or a pill or a spiritual guru out there can give you. Because it's one that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit filling every aspect, every nook and cranny of your life. Isn't that the experience that you're looking for? You see, Some of you here today, 
uh, you're not really sure about Christianity. You're not convinced about Christianity. Maybe you've always thought that, every, that Christianity is like every other religion in the world. You need to know that it is not like every other religion in the world. It is not just a set of ethics. It is not just a, a doctrine to memorize. It is an emotional experience. It does touch and it does affect your emotions. Some of you who are new to the faith need to understand that being filled with the Spirit is the way to spiritual maturity. And in some of you, some of you would tell me, you would say, hey, Jeff, I've tried Christianity, but it didn't really work for me. Or I'm a Christian, I'm here today, but look, I've tried all of this stuff and it didn't really work. I never really had any of those experiences. Let me tell you something. It's because you weren't filled with the Spirit. It works. And if that hasn't been your experience, then you need to make sure that you're here next week as we talk about how to be filled with the Spirit because you have never experienced that. Would you bow with me for prayer this morning? And as we just take a moment of silence, would you just, in your heart, quietly, just ask yourself, has this ever been my experience? Be honest with yourself about that. And as I said, we're going to talk next week about how to be filled with the Spirit, but surely one aspect of that is to pray to be filled with the Spirit. And would you pray that now, quietly in your heart? And if you've never believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you can't be filled with the Spirit. And so this might be a great moment to... Right now, in the privacy of your heart, to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, which means to tell him that you understand that you're a sinner and that there is no other way for your sins to be forgiven other than the blood of Jesus Christ shed and his body broken for you. There's no other way to come to this outside of the offense of the cross. Understand that. And so would you come under the offense of the cross now and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? And when you do, the Bible says that you are indwelled with the Spirit. And it opens up a whole new set of opportunities and set of experiences for you. Would you just pray for that now? Would you just tell the Lord Jesus Christ, I understand, I'm a sinner. And ask him, just say, be, be my Savior. Be my Savior. Pray today in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for what you've done for us. We thank you, Father, for sending the Son. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for indwelling us, but not just indwelling us enabling us to be filled in every nook and cranny of our lives with your power and life. 
Lord, give us that experience and let us as a community of people who believe in you, let us be filled as a church with the Spirit. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. 